Welcome back to the Two Real Cinema Club. My name is Andres Lorente. Uh, and I'm James Azica. Uh, and there's, there's a problem when you do projects with writers. This is, this is the, the, the problem with writers. It's too many ideas. We have, uh, we have too many ideas to try and cram into you know, one hour. So uh, often when we do the Two Real Cinema Club, we come up with you know, ideas and thoughts about the movies that we've seen. And there's no real space to put those in. So we thought maybe come around to the, the popcorn counter. Before we go into see the movie, um, there's a concession stand around the front. There's some popcorn. There's some chocolate. Um, and pause with us here while uh, while we wait for the popcorn machine. And uh, and we'll just talk about some of the ideas that we have uh, when we record the podcast. Tell you what I, I thought of this week, actually. So when we were talking about The Seventh Seal, uh, and there's that very memorable scene. Um, mm-hmm. Max von Sydow is, is uh, eating wild strawberries and he's drinking milk. And it's uh, the pleasures of the flesh. It's uh, one of those beautiful movie meals that sticks in your mind. And I was going to ask you, what, 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 what are your favourite movie meals? We both know that when you um, when you're shooting a film, food is usually a disaster. Food is uh, any kind of scene where you uh, have to write that the characters are eating. The producer will always ask you, do we have to do this over a meal? Because shooting the meal introduces all these continuity yeah. problems and the, the food kind of becomes sort of glazed and unpleasant looking. And then people are trying to deliver their lines while they're chewing. And then, you know, you have to check whether the plates are empty or full and then you have to get more food. And it just makes everything really, really complicated. So those scenes in movies where people are eating, um, the, 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 the people making the movie have made a very conscious decision that they have to be eating during this scene because if there was a way to get away without it, they would have done. So I was going to ask you, out of all the movies that we have seen on screen, mm. uh, it doesn't have to be your top three, but what what are you, what are the three that you remember now? What are the three you remember now? I'm going to I'm going to start with with my I'm going to start with one for me first, which is 2001. Okay. When was the last time you watched 2001? Uh, probably at least 10 years yeah, ago. I don't, I don't think I've seen it. Mm. Actually, no, I, t- no, I tell a yeah. lie. I, we went to see it about uh, three years ago when there was a mm. um, like a 70 millimeter oh, yeah. print re-release. We saw it like at, at yeah. the cinema. I took the children. It's really exciting actually to go and see it. And the, the movie meal that sticks in my mind is when they are uh, going to the moon base. And this little shuttle that's going over the, over the mm. moon base to see the monolith for the first time. And it's this monumental incredible moment in humanity the first time that modern humans have seen evidence of alien life they've discovered this artifact on the moon and on the way over there they're eating these crummy little white bread sandwiches out of a like a, a lunch box and like you know, the head scientist he opens up this lunch box and says oh let's see what we've got to eat here uh, this yeah. looks like chicken uh, have you got ham ham let's have a look ham ham and it's it's um both hilarious that they're eating these kind of Crummy little white bread sandwiches. And yet also it really underlines the humanity of the characters. That This is a monumental mm. moment. And yet yeah. still people have to eat these little sandwiches. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, it's not an epic sandwich. It's just uh, <laughs> something that can go into space <laughs> with a long shelf life. That bread lasts forever. <laughs> Wonder bread. What's your, what's your number three? I've got three... And then I sort of have a fourth one, too. Maybe I'll talk about that. But um, I'm going to say my number three is from a, an absolutely ridiculous film called Woman on Top, which features Penelope Cruz, who we've discovered or discussed recently. I'm just in love with Penelope Cruz, but she who plays is- a Brazilian chef. 
Uh, she has her own cooking show, and just anything she makes in that film, <laughs> I want to eat. So uh, that's a bit of a cop-out. So I'm going to add another number three. I don't remember the film too well. It was not very good, but it was a romantic comedy, and she was sort of just new to the American audiences. I don't know when it was, probably late 90s or early 2000s. Um, I'll throw in another one. Big Night, which um, starred uh, Tony Shalhoub. Right. Um, and uh, they are making um, a meal at their restaurant, which is kind of an Italian restaurant, which is kind of failing. Um, and they're expecting Louis Prima to show up. Some He's a musician of the era. I guess it's the 50s or 60s. Um, I'm trying to think who the other actor it was then. And then um, plays the partner in the restaurant. He's He was in uh, Devil Wears Prada with... Um, and Stanley Tucci? It's... Yeah, it's Stanley Tucci. That's it. Stanley Tucci and uh, Tony Shalhoub. Um, big Italian meal, and I saw it with my brother and my sister-in-law, and we were so hungry. I think we'd already eaten dinner, or maybe we had delayed dinner. We were seeing like a, a dinner time movie. We were starving, um, but we ate Indian food. It wasn't Italian food; it was Indian oh. food, and it was delicious. We went to the Taj Mahal and ate Indian. Um, so just the, the 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 sort of the oddity of uh, watching this film about Italian food and then going out and having a delicious Indian <laughs> food right afterwards. Um, so that was my. Those are sort of my number threes. But let's go back to you for a number. Well, you didn't rank yours. I didn't rank the same way. I don't know if these come in a particular order. The next one I thought yeah. of is um, Spirited Away, the Studio Ghibli film, which is like yeah. they're they're kind of their big North American breakout film. Really, I don't think yeah. they were ever as big uh, before Spirited Away was released. But um, in the movie, the the main character, her parents get turned into pigs. Yeah, uh, quite early on in the film, and she ends up being completely abandoned by them and has to sort of fend for herself. But the the huge buffet where yeah. the parents start helping themselves to these dumplings and pork bellies looks just yeah. so glisteningly delicious in this film. Yeah. I could so empathise with the kind of the dad with his kind of his beer gut there, just filling yeah. his plate up with these delicious pork yeah. bellies. Um, uh, that yeah, every time I see that movie, that scene just makes me hungry. I'm afraid it's real. There is that's comfort food writ large, isn't it? And it's just the yes. sheer excess of it. I'm, yeah. I'm developing the same gut that the dad has now, but, but you know, if, if there are all these pork fillies <laughs> available, I would be a lot bigger. And I think that's the point of that scene is to show uh, the consumption of our, our previous generations and how that we inherit that, and that's how that's ruining the world. And that's the one scene that I really remember. Uh, well from that film so right, yep, well yep. chosen well chosen um, for me another kind of ridiculous film I, I loved the the Peter Greenaway films from the 80s and early 90s um, so I guess I just want to be in that restaurant in The Cook, The Thief, His Wife and Her Lover. Because <laughs> um, the food looked fantastic. Even though, you know, you go through the kitchen, sometimes there are these grotesque, dismembered animal parts and things like that. But they're cooking something, and it was probably really good. And eventually, of course, they eat a human, which I don't want to be at that meal, but I was really <laughs> impressed with how... Yeah, maybe Helen excuse Mir yourself and, before uh, that one. Have the meat yeah, to leave. Exactly. <laughs> but... I'm not going to be there that night. Um, but um, the final meal, of course, is a little bit cannibalistic. But... Um, I just love that film for its food, for the restaurant. I thought it was kind of a smart film. I love those films, um, which is funny because we were just talking about in the podcast about Seventh Seal and Northman. We were talking about oil paintings and how they sometimes are cinematic, I guess, or, or not cinematic. Um, and Greenaway was definitely, I think, guilty of that. In some of those early films, he's really paying attention to these big tableaus and yeah. trying to make them into to films. Um, so I, I think perhaps that film came to mind because we had just been talking about um, oil painting filmmaking, I guess. 
So uh, that's yeah, my number two. This painterly film's beautiful, but um, yeah, uh, Peter Greenaway hasn't made money on a film for so long now. I don't think he's yeah, ever exactly. made can he? It's a shame. Yeah, yeah, it's a shame because yeah, it definitely had a unique eye. Um, yep. But yeah, but a unique palette. Um, my number one uh, is a film that mm-hmm. we watched fairly recently on holiday, actually, which I watched with the children. Yeah. Uh, I think sort of third or fourth time for watching it, it's Rear Window. And there's a scene oh. fairly early on uh, in Rear Window when Grace Kelly uh, brings James Stewart uh, a meal. It's like a takeaway, but she brings mm-hmm. not only the meal, but she brings the waiter as well for the That's 21 right. Club. <laughs> and he kind of turns up with this sort of beautiful train. It's got lobster and French fries on it. And yeah. I'm not, actually, I'm not particularly a fan of lobster. Um, but the thing that really appeals to me is the idea that if I am ever laid up anywhere, um, yeah, I, uh, I hope Grace Kelly will come and bring me a dinner. Uh, that's, <laughs> it's uh, often uh, with meals, with movie meals, it's more about the company than it is yeah. about the food, isn't it? Yeah, um, here, here, here. What's your number one? Well, I, I want to talk about Rear Window because I just saw it at the Christmas holiday. So it was probably three months ago or something like that. And I had just, I had an ankle surgery last year and I lived Rear Window for a little while because we had a, <laughs> we had a desk. Your neighbors killed the, each other. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't that bad. But I was accused of doing a lot of sort of peeping um, during my recuperation because <laughs> I was parked in this, we have this sort of bay window in the front right on the street. And I just had my leg up and I was doing my work there, windows wide open. And I just watched everything my, my neighbors were doing. <laughs> I just knew who parked well. Who couldn't park a car for their life? Um, and I almost watched kids get hit by cars oh. because their parents were paying attention. And I just, I knew people, I knew things, I knew whose dogs were leaving shit in our yards and the owners weren't picking up <laughs> after them. I was just, I was Jimmy Stewart. It was wonderful. Um, so I did live that. And that's a great, another great film. Everyone should go out and see that because that's just a, another classic. It's a fantastic film, a lot of tension and just great storytelling. And again, it's like a limited uh, setting, you know, it's just a, an apartment building complex. And you're stuck there with Jimmy Stewart. Absolutely. But he does get some good meals, but he doesn't get Babette's Feast, which is, uh, I think, probably one of the, the greatest film meals ever um, because a struggling uh, French chef ends up working for uh, this old... Are they Danish? Maybe it takes place in Denmark, I think. Maybe... I think it's Denmark. Might be Norway. Um but she lives with these, she, she, she sort of gets taken in. She has to leave France for some reason, and she gets taken in with these um, these sort of spinsters, uh, very religious spinsters, and they eat this very modest meal every day, sort of the same things. And this fantastic chef from France has to serve this crap up for them day in, day out. <laughs> Um, and then she finally gets paid, and she just misses cooking so much that she puts together this incredible sort of course-upon-course meal um, that costs her entire salary for the year or whatever, but she just wants to cook. <laughs> She's an artist. She wants to cook, and she serves up an amazing meal. And the, all these old folks who are in this very, very austere community in Denmark um, – eat this one meal and they start hallucinating. You know, they're just tripping out. They're eating such great food. They're so happy. And this is after just leading these really plain, <laughs> austere, miserable lives. And it's just the power of food in, in on, on screen in a great film. So I think that would be the one that I would actually want to eat as well. Uh, food on screen. Oh, I'm hungry now. Yeah. Babette's Feast. Yes. I've never seen that. I've got to catch up with that. Oh, that's oh, yeah. That goes on the list. Babette's Feast. Yep. That goes on the list. Put that down. Excellent. I think the popcorn is ready. Good. Yes. Finally. Let's start of the movie any minute now. We should take a popcorn and go in. Uh, thanks All for joining right. us at the popcorn Two. counter. Uh, we'll yeah. see you uh, next time round for a proper episode. Until then, yeah, thanks. Yeah, come join us next time. Goodbye. Bye-bye.